It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? I love this place. We're really excited this week. John's parents are arriving. They're coming on Wednesday. They're going to be with us for three weeks. And so they'll be here next Sunday, and John's dad will be preaching one of those Sundays in the next couple of weeks. So we're super excited. Are you ready for the word of God? Good, so am I. This is a word that um, John um, started a, a theme last week, and it's, a, I guess, a preaching series over this next few weeks on strength, and so I'm continuing it this week. But as I've been going through the preparation of this, it's been very evident that I needed this. <laughs> and so I know that if I needed it, I'm probably not the only one in the room that might need a word like this today. So um, let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you through the blood of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We invite you into all that we will speak of, all that we will hear and understand. And I pray, Lord, that your words will speak loudly. Lord, that um, our hearts will be open and receptive to what you want to say to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, in November of 1995, those of you who can remember that far back, <laughs> um, I was at university um, and I'd been home for a weekend. It was what we call in England bonfire night weekend, Guy Fawkes night. It's the one night of the year when we have crazy fireworks and celebrate the Houses of Parliament having been blown up all those years ago. Go figure. But um, I'd been back at home in Manchester with my family um, and my sister Christina had taken me back to the train station to go back to where I was at university and um, you know we were talking as sisters do about the kind of man we want to marry one day <laughs> and it was one of those conversations I had a list well he's got to be this 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 and this and this and you know we were chatting and you know not a incredibly different conversation to many that we'd had um, and yeah so last week John talked about a particular time when he met a particular woman and now it's my turn okay I got off the train that day and went straight to a youth evening and um, there was a band that were playing that I'd heard of a youth band and there was this guy he was helping their drummer unpack his drums and put them away. And he had long, blonde, shiny hair. He had Levi 501s with a, a cute butt, I must say. <laughs> he had big boots with the laces not quite done up. And he was, I guess, helping their drummer, but just messing around. And I just could not take my eyes off him the whole evening. And at the end of the evening, I thought to myself, now, that is the kind of guy that I've just described to my sister, Christina. Lo and behold, we did get married. So thankfully, God was very kind to me. <laughs> and I found my man. But as I got to know him, um, obviously, I got to know more than just the outside of what I had laid eyes on that day. Um, I got to know the fact that he was very sporty. He'd being a water ski instructor in Australia and in London, two very different climates, I must admit. Um, he loved going to the gym, he played rugby, and then began my um, duty of standing on the sidelines of the rugby pitch, watching him get completely hammered and full of bruises and 
black eyes and all sorts of things. But I was there faithfully supporting him. And then I realized that if um, he was really sporty and that was important to him, then I'm not particularly, but I should probably get a bit more interested in some of the sports that he was involved in because that's what you do when you first get to know someone, isn't it? You want to know more about them and get involved in the things that they're involved in. And so I went to the gym with him and then realized actually the benefits of it were quite remarkable. I felt healthier, I had more energy, and I was a fairly active kid growing up, as most 70s and 80s kids had roller boots. Anyone have roller boots? They were my favorite thing. I used to tie a rope to the back of my sister's bike and make her race up and down the street. And I'd be there on my roller boots on the back, pretending I was water skiing. No idea that I would one day marry a water ski instructor. So there you go. <laughs> but to be honest, I preferred music and art. They were my thing more than sports. Um, the thought of doing really hard things never thrilled me at all. The thought of adrenaline sports, mm, never really my kind of go-to. Um, but... I always loved watching other people that did. And if I watched people doing like solo mountain climbing, anyone seen people doing that with no ropes or anything? That's scary looking, but so inspiring. Like someone would have the courage to do that. Um, pole vaulting in the Olympics, that was my favorite thing to watch. And equally, the strength that is more the emotional and mental strength. You know those people who pick themselves up after a fall? Those movies that are so inspiring where someone's had a really bad accident and they've been immobile and then they've managed to get themselves to a point where they've been training and, you know, done Paralympics and all these crazy things. Who loves those kind of movies? They're so inspiring, aren't they? And we watch them and we're like, yes, we can do that. But then we forget the work and the pain that has to be gone through in order to get the end result. They're inspiring, but when we think about the pain, we can think it's the special people that get to be strong, don't we? And, you know, when I'm looking at this whole strength um, theme and I was looking at what strength is, it was really interesting because a lot of it involved pain. And that's not the nicest thing that we want to go through. Um, the definition of strength, when I looked it up, was the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. The emotional and mental qualities necessary in dealing with situations or events that are distressing or difficult. And when we think of it medically, um, I was looking at medical, medical news today, um, and they talked about what happens to our muscles when we want to increase the strength of them, when we want to increase um, how much they can work. And this is what it says, muscle size increases when a person continually challenges the muscles to deal with higher levels of resistance or weight. This process is known as muscle hy hypertrophy. Muscle hypertrophy occurs when the fibers of the muscles sustain damage or injury. The body then repairs the damaged fibers by fusing them, which increases the mass and size of the muscles. That's why when we work out, John and I have got a new morning routine. We get up and we do squats and press-ups every morning. Once or twice, like I forgot this morning, 
But it's amazing how when you first do exercise, your muscles really hurt, don't they? And that's the process that I've just described, the process of the fibers being broken down and then they rebuild again and they grow stronger. I don't know about you, but I would prefer a matrix style of strength. Give me a download. Who, who would prefer that than the ache, the pain of having to go to the gym? Yeah, I much prefer a download. But unfortunately, that's not way, the way that we've been made. That's not the way our bodies are meant to manage or cope equally emotionally. That's not the way it works. In fact, without resilience, we're weak. Without that resistance, without the, the strain, without the pressure on us, we're weak. If you think about trees that blow in the wind, those that have not grown strong, they can blow straight over, but those that have been buffeted by the wind lots, actually it strengthens their trunk. We think of astronauts that go to space, they don't have any gravity, they don't have any weight resistance on them. When they come back, their muscles are weaker, their bone density is less, and they have to go through a retraining process again to cope with the gravity that we're so used to. So the fact that we generally have gravity means our bodies have a certain amount of strength. Isn't that amazing? Muscles that don't get exercise are weak and can't work in the way they're meant to. And as we get older, that's incredibly important to our bone health. I'm constantly being told we need to have weight-bearing exercise, we need to improve our circulation, we need to move, do some kind of resistance training of some sort. Um, there's a, a theologian called Morgan, and he said, in fact, the illusion of strength and independence actually leaves someone in a weaker place. There is nothing more hindering to the work of God than the uplifted and the proud Christian. Ouch. That's a big ouch, isn't it? Let's look at what the Bible says. And when I was preparing this message, I, of course, was drawn to someone in the New Testament who continually talked about the difficulties that he went through, and that's Paul. Many of us know he, has been, he had been through many, many things. And in 2 Corinthians 12, this is what he said about strength or the lack of. And he said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, he said, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Hang on, he said he delights in them. Now, if you read through um, 2 Corinthians earlier, he's, he lists off a whole heap of things that he went through. Shipwrecked, he'd been whipped, he'd been beaten, he'd been put in prison. He'd had all of these horrible things happen to him. And here he's saying that he delights in his weaknesses, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And when I was thinking about this, I thought there must have been obviously something underneath that. We don't delight in being persecuted, do we? Like when someone's angry with us and having a rant at us, or if someone's you know, said something that's rumors or whatever, we don't delight in that stuff. So there must be something underneath what he's saying there. And so he goes on in the next part of that verse to say, for when I am weak, I'm strong. Now that's a complete back to front thing. When I'm weak, I'm strong. That doesn't figure. How can he say that he's weak when he's strong? If we look back a little bit, a couple of verses in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, 
he talks about having a thorn in his flesh. And many of us will have heard that phrase. If we don't, aren't familiar with this passage in the Bible, we might have heard that phrase, I've got a thorn in my flesh, or that person's got a, a thorn in their flesh. And basically, Paul was saying that he had some issue that he couldn't shake, he couldn't get rid of it, and he pleaded with God three times, take it from me, take it from me, take it from me. But still, he had this issue that he had to deal with. When I go through hard things, I, my default is to beg God to take it away. <laughs> I must be honest. Okay, I'm like, God, I don't want to go through this. Please take it away. Rescue me. That's my usual phrase. God, rescue me. But when I'm reading this passage in the Bible, for me, it's a little bit like one of those inspiring movies. Like, oh, but no, maybe there's another way. Yes, God does rescue us. Yes, God does come and help us in our time of need, for sure he does, and I have had times when that has happened. But if that's my every single time, then am I really going to get strong? Am I going to really strengthen in my faith? Am I really going to be able to stand as a strong woman and do the things that he's called me to do? Well, I don't think I would if I was constantly being rescued. You see, Paul said in verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, what Paul had to come to understand was that it wasn't his own strength that mattered. When he was being persecuted, when he was being flogged and whipped and in prison and all of those things, it wasn't his own weakness that mattered. It was the strength of God that could shine through him. Paul acknowledged his weakness. No, I'm a weak man, but when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's God's strength working through. You see, he lent on the one who has perfect strength. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. If we're never weak, how can God's strength be seen? If we have it all together and we're strong in every single situation and never have any need, why would we ever need a God who is strong? Because we've got our strength ourselves. You see, it's in those times when God's strength can perfectly shine through. Listen to what Spurgeon said, the great theologian. He said, great tribulation brings out great need and great strength of God. If you ever feel inward conflicts and sinking of soul, sorry, if you never feel inward conflicts and sinking of soul, you do not know much of the upholding power of God. But if you go down, down into the depths of soul anguish till a deep threatens to shut her mouth upon you, and then the Lord rides upon a cherub and does fly, yea, rides upon the wings of the wind and delivers your soul and catches you away to the third heaven of delight. Then you perceive the majesty of divine grace. Oh, there must be the weakness of man felt, recognized and mourned over or else the strength of the son of God will never be perfected in us. Wow. Isn't that incredible? You see, we can't have strength without knowing what weakness it is. And it's only in those times when we feel weak that we can understand that we need God's strength. Maybe we need to look at our problems, our issues, the things we deal with through a different lens. 
maybe we need to look at it through that very lens of maybe when I'm weak, that's when God can show his strength. Our difficulties, our pressures, our family troubles, our marriage troubles, our job losses, even losses of loved ones. There are opportunities for us to encounter the grace and the strength and the love of the one who holds everything together. You see, I don't think strength is this facade of perfection. And often those people who always show this perfection persona, there's often something underneath there that's not quite as strong or there's some issue there. It's the ability to stand no matter what. It's the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's John and my daily morning workout routine that builds strength over time. I can't go to the gym just once and then figure, right, that's it, I'm done now. I've got my download from the matrix. No, it's that daily, every day, I'm just gonna keep doing this. I'm just gonna keep showing up in life. I'm just gonna keep on loving when it hurts to love. I'm just gonna keep on showing up to work. I'm gonna just keep on coming to church. I'm just gonna keep on doing those small incremental things that build strength and resilience within me. You see, it's in our difficulties that we need to remember that Jesus fully, fully understands and can identify with us. Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16 says, Therefore we have, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that. Let's approach his throne of grace with confidence. Not to say, here I am, I've got it all together, I'm confident. No, it's the confidence of the assurance that God is with us, that Jesus has paid the price, that he has the grace and the mercy that we need in our time of need. That's the confidence that we have. It's the confidence in him. It's the confidence in the fact that he's made a way, that he's paid the price. He's the one who is our strength. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to have suffered huge trauma in order to be strong. And, you know, there are definitely times when we need to seek counsel. We need to seek professional support and help, absolutely 100%, and that's important. So what I'm not saying is that we need to have suffered terrible things in order to be strong. But what I am saying is that, like the astronaut who needed gravity... We live in a world full of challenges every day. And all of us deal with some kind of it. We can't get away from it at all. It's, it's all relative and we can't compare. Like, my brokenness is not the same as yours. Nor should we seek anybody else's path because each path is unique to that person. But one thing I can think when I think of strength is this. Strength is brave. Strength is courage. Strength is difficult. It's often slow. It's vulnerability and it's brokenness over and over and over 
and over and over. I use a fantastic Bible commentary when I'm studying, and um, it's written by a guy called David Guzik. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But he wrote this about this chapter, this um, passage in the Bible. And it really challenged me. It said, he said this, think about this man, Paul. Was he a weak or strong man? The man who traveled the ancient world, spreading the gospel of Jesus, despite the fiercest persecutions, who endured shipwrecks and imprisonment, who preached to kings and slaves, who established strong churches and trained up their leaders, who was not a weak man. In light of his life and accomplishments, we should say that Paul was a very strong man. But he was only strong because he knew his weaknesses and looked outside of himself for the strength of God's grace. If we want lives of such strength, we also must understand and admit our weaknesses and look to God alone for the grace that will strengthen us for any task. It was the grace-filled Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians. Isn't that wonderful? That's so challenging and wonderful and releasing and freeing. It's okay for us to be weak. It's okay for us to have problems that we have to deal with. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to come to church with this fake smile and, yes, I'm all good. Someone asked me this morning, how are you today? And I said, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't sleep very well. So that, that was the truth. We need to get to a place where we're okay to actually say when someone says, how are you today? We all say it every day to people. How are you today? How's your day? Hope you're having a great day. Well, sometimes we're actually struggling and it's okay to say, yeah, I'm not having a great day today. And that's an opportunity for someone to step in and say, okay, can I help? Or would you like to talk about it? Or shall we pray about it? It's an opportunity when we allow the vulnerability of being honest to allow people in and to walk the journey with us. You see, I think now a lot of us are in the pursuit of comfort. And that word is so common now, my comfort level. I don't want to go beyond my comfort level. And there are some very real issues with safety and people who can't do certain things in this pandemic. And I'm not talking necessarily about that so much. But what I'm talking about is we've all got very comfortable and not liking as much being challenged anymore. But is comfort our pursuit in life? Is that our ultimate goal? Because right now, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel very comfortable. And I thought to myself re fairly recently, what if this is it? What if my well-being, my life experiences don't get to that place of perfection that I'm longing for? We sang this morning this, the hymn of heaven. One day all will be made right. All will be perfect. We'll stand in the presence of Jesus. But right now, sometimes life is pretty tough. And it isn't great. And if this is it forever, for the rest of my life, what I'm dealing with right now, then I want to be equipped to handle that and not just survive it, but thrive in it. I want to be equipped to have the strength that can walk every day in that confidence that it talks about to approach the throne room of God. I want to learn to become stronger through what I'm dealing with right now. 
So what does that look like on a practical level? Because it's okay talking about this stuff, but actually let's bring it down to, okay, Monday morning, I turn up at work. What do I do now with this? What do I do? I think the first thing, the first point is understand that God's strength is available to us now. John said it this morning when he got up after the worship and he said, we can sing about heaven and how wonderful it will be. And it's not wonder, like we have pockets of wonderful now, but it's not all wonderful now. But we actually can believe for that. We can believe that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He challenges us, he encourages us to have the faith to believe, to ask him for good things now here. Listen to this, Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. <clears throat> it says, why do you complain, Jacob? Oh dear, he's been listening to my, my thoughts again. <laughs> my complaining, God rescue me. No, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Do you hear this? He gives, not will give one day in heaven. He gives now strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Thank you, Jesus. Even youths grow tired and weary. Oh, yeah, we're seeing that right now. We're seeing weary youth, definitely. And young men stumble and fall. But, and there's a big but, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, not might renew the strength, not pie in the sky one day when we die. No, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That encourages me so much. Does it encourage you? That so encourages me. We don't have to be the special people. We don't have to have gone through those horrific accidents to then train and be Paralympic winners. Normal people like you and me, everyday issues that we deal with. We can have our strength renewed. We can soar on wings like eagles. We can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not be faint. So that first point again, understand God's strength is available to us now, right now. The second point is look after your health. Like I said, when I first got to spend time with John and, and he really encouraged me and still does encourage me in my physical health, it was really important for my body, but also in every area of health. And this year, the whole theme of the year here in our church is health. Health in all of the different ways. Health in our bodies, health emotionally, health in our finances, health in our relationships. Um, those things are so, so important. And I think sometimes it can take bottom priority in our lives. And when we're busy particularly, or we've got things that we've got to accomplish, or when we're really struggling, that's when we have chocolate for breakfast admit it we do or when it's easter well you know but that's okay we we really have a low priority on our health sometimes 
eating well, resting, physical exercise, talking to someone, celebrating, having a really good laugh. These are all things that are so good for us and so important. They're not bottom priority. They should be top priority. And the third point is to do the journey with others. Personally, getting out of my own head is vital for my well-being. I'm someone who can live in my own head. I can ruminate. I can mull things over constantly. That's partly probably why I don't sleep very well. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, those tiny little details that really don't matter seem to be the most crucial thing in the entire world right then. And sometimes having someone just to talk things through with and just get this stuff out or writing it down can really, really help. And for me, I don't just think that's important. I think it's vital to my well-being. I need that. Because what can happen is that we can get stuck in a cycle of negative self-talk. Who can relate with this right now? Don't we? We go through the whole like, oh, if only I hadn't done that. I wish, I wish when I was 11 I'd handed that homework in and my teacher wouldn't have got mad at me and then the whole big cycle of things. Things that we did years ago that really insignificant can be built up to be these huge, huge issues because we're stuck in our own heads sometimes. But that only happens, we can only release that by doing the journey with other people, with having trusted people that we can actually say, hey, I um, need to talk, have you got a minute? I'm struggling with something. Or just in general conversation, allowing those things to come out. That's what's called being part of a Christ-centered community. Again, John mentioned it earlier on when he talked in our giving time. That's when we show up for one another. That's when, when we're going through hard things, someone is there and says, okay, let's talk or let's just sit together. Maybe you don't need to talk. Maybe you just need to sit with me and we'll just be in the same space together. That's why circle groups are so important. I literally could not cope without my circle group. I could not do it. I need those people, especially the women that I share things with, it's vital to my well-being. And then the fourth point is anchor yourself to Jesus. What keeps me going when I'm struggling is pondering, not on the issue, but on the goodness of God. Like, God is good all the time, every day, every moment of every day. He was good when Paul was being shipwrecked. He was good when... I was going through my worst day in my life. He was good when everything was not good around me. Those things, when I ponder his goodness, his kindness, his unfailing just dependence, that's when I feel like I could just sink into his arms and rest. He's like that father, he is that father who never leaves us, who is dependable, who we can just hang on to. My earthly daddy was a bit like that. He's not here anymore. He is with Jesus. But he wasn't perfect like God is. That ability just to like, oh, I feel safe when that person is just there. That's God. He's our anchor. 
when we anchor ourselves to him, when the storm's buffeting us, we're firm. We won't be moved. He never changes, no matter the situation. Listen again to what Spurgeon said. This sufficiency is declared without any limiting words. And therefore I understand the passage to mean that the grace of our Lord Jesus is sufficient to uphold thee, sufficient to strengthen thee, sufficient to comfort thee, sufficient to take thy trouble useful to thee, sufficient to be able to enable thee to triumph over it, sufficient to bring thee out of it, sufficient to bring thee out of 10,000 like it, sufficient to, bring, sufficient to bring thee home to heaven. O child of God, I wish it were possible to put into words this all-sufficiency, but it's not. Let me retract my speech. I am glad that it cannot be put into words. For if so, it would be finite. But since we can never express it, glory be to God, it is inexhaustible. And our demands upon it can never be too great. Here let me press upon you the pleasing duty of taking home the promise personally at this moment, for no believer here need be under any fear, since for him also at this very instant the grace of the Lord Jesus is sufficient. If we could describe how amazing God is, would he be that amazing? He's beyond all of our comprehension. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He is the all-sufficient one. He's all-knowing, all-glorious, all-present. He's here right now. And if we could put him in a box of description, he wouldn't be the incredible God that he is. But it's through our experiences of letting him in that we gain a deeper revelation of who he is personally for us. And that's what we need to do. We need to invite him in. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Do we actually understand that? His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. I'm going to just invite Dale back up to the keyboard again. and We're going to pray in a moment. But I really want to challenge us into thinking about this do we when we're struggling just pretend everything's okay or do we actually open up and realize that we need someone we need that perfect creator that we need what we can't describe the infinite wonder and glory and mercy and kindness of the god who so cares for us who created us who knit us together in our mother's womb who has a plan for us and a purpose for us, no matter what we go through. And he can often use our story for his glory. He can give us the ability to share when we've come through those issues. Not bleeding out of everybody when we're struggling, trying to be this amazing you know, leader and teach everyone while we're still struggling through those things, but allowing the strength of God through us to strengthen us and to heal us gives us the ability to actually tell our story, to be open and say to people, let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you some of the things that God's brought me through. 
And my goodness, does that build faith. And it says in the Bible that the work of the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. But then also through the word of our testimony, our story. That can't be dismantled. Our story is unique and it's powerful. And we need to get good at sharing our stories. If we're older, we need to share our stories with the younger generation. They need the resilience that we have. That's how they learn. That's how they know that when they go through hard things, it will be okay, that they will go through it. My parents shoved all their stories into me growing up, and my faith was always there. It was strong. It was buffeted by storms, of course. It was distracted at times. But I always had those stories to go back to of the faithfulness of God times when my parents were rescued, times when things were tough and they just kept going. And now those stories can become my stories uniquely to my journey that I can encourage people with too. Let's be those encouragers to other people, shall we, as a church? Let's close our eyes. I'm going to pray right now and then I'm going to encourage those of us who have a decision to make. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your encouragement to us. That you're always strong no matter what. That you always want to be involved in our lives no matter what. Lord, we just pray that you would soak what you want us to know into our souls right now. That you'd give us a fresh revelation of you. In Jesus' name, amen. And with every eye closed still, keep your heads bowed. I'd really like this moment to be a private one. Because I want to ask for people to come to a point. Maybe you've heard what I've said. Maybe you're in this place and you've never, maybe you're here for the first time and you've never been to a church before. Maybe you've not been to a church like this before. Maybe maybe you have, maybe you've had a really strong faith before, but life has just knocked it out of you. Or maybe you've lived off other people's faith like I did with my parents and relied on their stories. Maybe it's time for you to have your own journey starting right now and I want to ask you a question have you invited Jesus into your life is he the anchor of your soul because if not you can do that and maybe you might be thinking yeah but I've got it all okay I've got a good job things aren't going terribly for me I can manage I'm strong Yeah, but the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us have come to the point where we need a saviour. We need the King of Heaven to be personally involved in our lives. Because once this life is done and we enter into eternity, he doesn't want any of us to be lost. He wants all of us to be in his presence like we sung about earlier in that hymn of heaven he wants all of us to be in his presence for eternity and for none to be lost I'm going to ask 
a very direct question right now. If you haven't made that decision and you'd like to, then I'm just going to ask you while all heads are bowed, eyes are closed, privately between you and God, I'm going to ask you to reach out to him and I'm going to pray for you. And so I know who I'm praying with. I'm just going to ask you to look up at me and just raise your hand. And once I've seen it, you can pop it back down again. And then we're going to pray. And if you're online, you can click that button that says you'd like to come home to Jesus. And then we'll be praying for you too. So right now, if that's you, I want to ask you just to look up at me and raise your hand. Thank you. That's fantastic. Who else wants to say yes to Jesus right now? That's great. Let's pray together. And as I pray these words, may these be the words that help you to articulate what's happening for you right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be my anchor. Lord, I'm sorry for those things that I've done that have taken me away from you, those sins those ways that I've not had that relationship with you and I ask you Lord to help me to make me new to show me your love and your grace and your mercy I thank you for dying on the cross for me I accept the life that you give in Jesus name Amen